everybody here and welcome to everybody joining us over the internet. Uh, our pastor is not with us this morning, so I'll kick things off, but we're going to start with It Is Well With My Soul, it's number 256, if you would all stand up with us. Let's sing 256. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when and Miss Lynn and uh, Trace and their whole family. They're homesick this week, so let's remember them as they get over that. We also want to uh, recognize a couple of birthdays. Does anybody else have birthdays that's here today, or did you just have a birthday this last week or shortly before that? Because we'll sing happy birthday to you as well. Well, Miss Sue on the phone talked to Miss Ruth Mitchell. That's Wendell Mitchell's mother. 
And today, she turns 100 years old. And she she's, should be watching with us on the internet. So, Miss Ruth, we just want to say happy birthday to you. That is amazing. Praise the Lord for 100 years. And also, on the same day, June 5th, is my little girl's birthday, Maggie. She's back in the back back there. But So let's sing happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, everybody. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Miss Ruth, happy birthday to you. <laughs> all right, well, I think let's all be seated and Elder Turner is going to come up and we're going to have the Lord's Supper. Good morning. I think if you were able to sing that hymn out of heart, that it is well with my soul, then you're going to appreciate what we're about to do. Because in the communion we are here to remember, let's see, I don't know which mic is on, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> we are here to remember the Lord and his death for us. And uh, not only in his death, but in his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Because as he is our representative, as we are in him, we have also died to sin. We have also been buried and have been risen again in likeness of new life with our Lord Jesus Christ. He's already entered into the heavens to prepare a place for us. That one day, we will be with him when he comes for us. We will be with him to enjoy him forever. But as we remember the service today, we want to remember that, as Pastor tells us each time, that these symbols that we are to partake of, the bread and the wine, these do but represent the shed blood and the broken body of Christ and uh, are not his physical body. You know, I've, ever since I heard of the doctrine of transubstantiation, I've often wondered about going to, say, a Catholic church, and if I partook of that wafer and it tasted like a wafer, would you question your faith? Do you not have enough faith to believe that that actually happened? I don't know. I'm just, that's my mind. I have a strange mind. Can't help it. Sorry. Just wondering out loud. But we're going to do as uh, is our custom here. Uh, we'll ask you to come in the outside aisle and come down and partake of a cup that has the bread, a cup that has the wine, and then go back to the center and return to your seats. And then after everyone is served, then I will lead us in the partaking of those elements, and as you uh, come up, we'll have some music, and I will be reading. I'm going to read to you from the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. That is talking about the vicarious sacrifice of Christ, Jehovah's servant, 
But we're going to find out from the next chapter that Israel is referred to as the wife. So we're talking about the bridegroom having such a love for his bride that he dies for her. And uh, that's a picture of Christ in the church. He is the bridegroom, and we are the bride. And our Lord has given his life for us that we might have life. So if y'all will stand together. And then if you will, you can start making your circuit around. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him like a tender plant and like a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison, from judgment. And who shall declare his generations? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. The transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also, he took the cup. When he had stopped saying, this cup is a new testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this cup or eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we approach unto thy throne of grace, it is now with thanksgiving and adoration in our heart for the great gift that has been given even by you, our Father, who gave his only begotten Son. Thanksgiving to the Son who loved us and gave himself for us. And for the blessed Spirit who has made application of the work that the Father planned and the Son procured. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who did come and took body, a body like unto ours, that he might be not only a sympathetic but an empathetic high priest, knowing what it is to be human yet without sin, that he may lay down that body and might shed his blood for the redemption of our souls. We thank you and bless you for these blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's for thy sake and for thy glory we pray these things. Amen. All right. Josh's and Brother Turner's and say uh, welcome to all of you, not only who are visiting with us, but who are watching by the internet. We take a few moments here in the service to just remember those in prayer uh, who are in need. Uh, we want to thank the Lord for all of you who came out and participated yesterday in the annual church cleanup. We got an extreme amount accomplished and we're grateful uh, for your service to the Lord and we're just thankful that we're able to continue to care for what he's blessed us with so richly. As has already been mentioned, our pastor is not here today. He has fallen ill, and uh, Lynn is home ministering to his needs, so we pray for both of them. Ruby Perry was admitted back into the hospital again for a reoccurrence of an infection that she had. <clears throat> this time, uh, she's got C. diff, and uh, I talked to her just a few minutes ago. Uh, she seems very d d doing very well and said that she hopes to be released this afternoon to return home and hopefully that this will be the last bout that she has with this infection. So let's pray for Ruby and certainly for Carl as he ministers to her needs. <clears throat> we also want to remember Beth Moran's cousin's husband, Richard Stevenson. He had uh, recently had esophageal, esophageal throat cancer and uh, the next day he began having some trouble breathing. Yesterday I believe he suffered a heart attack and uh, they are continuing to work with him on his lungs. <clears throat> on his kidney and on his heart. So let's remember uh, Richard Stevenson before the Lord. <clears throat> Larry Smith learned uh, a couple of days ago that he had an uncle that passed away in May. Uh, we want to remember that family and their loss. 
And Becky Smith took her mother, Ruth, to the, hospital, or to the doctor for uh, some blood tests, some minor blood tests, and <clears throat> something uh, concerned them about that, so they want to do a more exhaustive blood panel on her. Let's pray that the results for that will be uh, good results. <clears throat> we also want to continue to remember Calvin LePetri and his wife, Judy. Calvin was here last week. It was so great to see him again, um, but he has a lot of, of, of need of prayer as he continues to care for Judy, <clears throat> so let's lift them up before the Lord. Of course, we want to continue to remember Howie Smith as he's serving in our military. And we want to remind you that if you want to support the ministry here at Grace Church, there's an offering plate located on the round table in the foyer where you can give your tithes and offerings. Also, if you want a copy of any of the messages that are delivered here at Grace Church, you can fill out a form. There's a little slip out there with a box that you can put the message that you're requesting in there. Uh, and Lord willing, that will be ready for you the, the following week. And, of course, we want to remind you that today is our fellowship dinner day. And so whether or not you were able to bring a food, if you want to join us, please do so. It's a great time for us to get to know one another and just to fellowship in the Lord. And we meet right after services in the fellowship hall. Any other prayer requests that I'm not aware of that you want to mention? <clears throat> All right. Thank you. Yes, ma'am, Ms. Teresa. Did you say Deborah, your sister Deborah? Okay, so let's remember Teresa's sister Deborah, who has, has a arm, right arm that's hurting, uh, and ask you to lift her up before the Lord. Yes, ma'am. Okay, Abby's ear is hurting her, so let's remember Maggie's little sister Abby. Anything else? All right, Josh is going to come up and lead us in some more singing. Well, good morning again to everybody, and <clears throat> I'm, I'm actually just going to come up and introduce our brother up here, Keith Anderson. If uh, you have missed the last couple of times that Keith has played and sung for us, you missed a real blessing, and so I'm glad that you're here today to hear it. Uh, the Lord has given him some really excellent and unique talent. He does a lot of different ar arranging and writing as well, Keith, right? You write? Music uh, yes, as well? and, yes. And lyrics, too, arranging, and do you uh, write the lyrics? Yeah, or? Yes, yeah, this is... Uh, this is one of those. Actually. So he composes and he writes uh, lyrical music. So a real blessing you're in for. I hope you enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's my pleasure to sing this morning. Um, you know, we hear a lot about uh, people just wanting peace and love and um, hope, uh, justice. But yet, as followers of God and believers... Uh, in him through Jesus Christ. Um, the scriptures tell us that um, God's spirit lives in us and through his spirit in Galatians 5 we, we read that um, he gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And uh, in Psalm 23, the very first verse says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And so really, um, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have all these things already, and uh, really all we need is him.
forever and forevermore. 
Well, again, a good, a good morning to each and every one of you. In the absence of a pastor, he asked that um, I would speak in his place. And that's not an easy thing for him to ask. <laughs> Let me tell you, he would rather be here than where he is. But uh, I appreciate this opportunity to speak to you. And at the same time, it's mixed feelings. It's both a privilege and an honor to speak, and yet it is very awe awesome thing to stand before anybody and uh, present to them a message that you think is from God. Before we do, Sue, can we sing her? We have a little chorus, a little prayer that we sing asking the Lord to, to bless and to help us. And so let us Sing that. Hopefully it'll be on the board here for you. It's a short one. You can stand with me if you don't mind. Second Timothy. We've taught from this book not too long ago, but we're going to look at a different passage. Second Timothy chapter one. I was going to read verses eight through ten. Be thou therefore, or be not thou therefore, ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask again for your help at this time, praying that you would be pleased to pour out thy spirit upon us in this place and that you would bless us with the hearing of the word of God, that we might indeed be given the eyes of faith to behold in the word the beauty and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we might even know, as our brother Keith just sang, that those problems that plague our hearts, that Christ is the answer. 
that all of the blessings of God are in Christ Jesus our Lord. We ask that uh, you would open this portion of scripture to our understanding that we might be, by thy blessed spirit, conformed more and more to the image of him who loved us and gave himself for us, even our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. A recurring word in the verse that we just read is the word gospel. And we know what the gospel is. Or oftentimes we think we know what the gospel is. And sometimes what we think of when we hear that term is only a portion of what really is included in the term, the gospel. But if you'll notice as he opens, Paul says to Timothy, he says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Our Lord has borne a testimony of himself. And what is that testimony? It's the gospel. That's what he says in the same verse. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but be ye partakers of the affliction of the gospel. That's the testimony that he's talking about. When we think of it, the the gospel is the testimony of our Lord, and it is in it and by it that he bears witness of himself to us. Several things about the gospel. The gospel aims at our salvation. That's what the gospel is all about, is those that hear the word, have their understanding open, their eyes open, that they might see in Christ the salvation that he has planned for us. The gospel is designed for our sanctification You know what our sanctification is? That working of the Spirit whereby he conforms us to the image of the Son of God to be made like unto him. The gospel is a free gift. It's a gift of grace and it is a gift of the eternal purpose of God. And we're going to consider that this morning as well. The gospel is a manifestation of both the purpose and the grace of God. That's how it's manifest. That's how it's been revealed to us. In these verses, we're going to find that the gospel also reveals that death has been abolished. I know the scriptures say that death is the last enemy to be abolished. So we haven't seen it. You and I, more than likely, will see death. But death has lost its victory, lost its power over us because of the work of Christ. The gospel has brought life and immortality to light. We know what that is. We know what life is because of the light of the gospel. So the gospel message is a very important message. It's very important that we understand what is the gospel. 
And in these verses that we're going to consider this morning, Paul is going to present to us his doctrine of the gospel and of salvation, especially salvation as it is manifest in the gospel. So let's consider a couple of verses before we look at this. Let's turn, if you would, it's not that far back to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 1. We have to understand that when we think of the word saved and salvation, that's a word that has pretty broad uh, coverage. There are a lot of other doctrines that are included in that wide umbrella. But here in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, this is what Paul says about the gospel. He says, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. What is the gospel that Paul thought so much of that he would think that if anybody preached anything else, they should be accursed. Well, of course, that gospel is Christ. Christ and him alone. That's what our brother was singing about. Christ is all we need. When we think of that word salvation, a little Greek word for salvation, sozo, has at least three different implications in it. It means that we are preserved, safe from danger, from loss, and from destruction. Does that sound like salvation we have in Christ? He preserves us safe. That's what salvation means, is to be safe. Where are we safe except in Christ? Who is it that the scriptures teach us is our defense, our uh, bulwark, our shield, the one who is our defender, except God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To preserve us safe from loss, not just talking about loss of material things or loss of health, talking about the eternal loss of a soul. We are all eternal beings, going to spend eternity somewhere. In Christ, he would save us from the eternal loss of our soul in hell. Saved from destruction. Preserves us safe from destruction, the wrath of God. We will not have to endure the wrath of God because our substitute our vicarious substitute, our Lord Jesus Christ, has endured that for us. So let's consider here. What does Paul tell us about this salvation? Where does it begin? What is the origin of our salvation? Well, he tells us that it is 
according to the power of God. It is he, verse 9, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. God is the author of our salvation in every sense of the word, both in its conception and in its application. We find that our salvation, the salvation that God has provided in Christ, was not the result of God acting out of necessity. It wasn't necessary that God provide a savior. God is self-sufficient. He, as a triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, was completely satisfied in himself. It wasn't like God decided to create man and then when he put him in the garden, Adam rebelled and partook of that fruit and then God says, didn't see that one coming, now what am I gonna do? Of necessity, I've got to come up with an answer for that sin. No, it didn't happen that way. Man was created, if you did your catechism as a child, you remember that, about the first question in the catechism, what is the purpose of man? Purpose of man, chief purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's why man was created. Not for himself, not for our pleasure, but for the glory and the pleasure of God, to serve him. And when that relation was marred by sin, that did not create a feeling of necessity on the part of God to act, to save us. He had already made plan for that. At the same time, this thing we call salvation, our Father has conceived for us, is not out of being motivated by other outside sources. There was not anyone else to work upon or to influence the Father in doing this. God does not love us because Christ came and died for us. Does that sound strange? Christ came and died for us because the Father loved us. Read John 3.16 and get the order that he says, therefore God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. You see, he already loved us. So he was not, it's not some motivating force outside of himself. This is something that he did of his own counsel. And we find that he did not take counsel of others. If you'll notice, he saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. This was his will. This was his purpose. This was his plan for us. And anything that God determines to do will be done. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. You know these verses. But look at Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 9. In this thing of salvation, in this thing of the gospel, 
It says that in uh, verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. And skipping down to verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. This is God's idea. This is God's plan of salvation. No one else had the wisdom to come up with such a plan as this. When you consider the truth of the gospel and you consider how it is that man is saved, man couldn't come up with the idea. I mean, he would never think of that. And if it was presented to him, he wouldn't agree to it because it took everything out of his hand and put it in the hand of God. And that's our point of rebellion now, is that we do not want Christ to reign over us. This is all of God. It is solely by the power of God that we are saved and called. If you're still in Ephesians, look at chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Notice how many times Christ is mentioned in this. In verse 5, when we were dead in sins, he hath uh, made us alive or quickened us together with Christ. By grace you're saved. Do you see that? It's with Christ. Verse 6, hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Blessings of God are in Christ Jesus. And then verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Salvation is not apart from Christ. Christ is salvation. But did you notice I skipped verse 4? You know why? I want you to go back now and let's look at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love with which he loved us. Do you see what came first? It's the love of God that came first. But God. Pastor Lynn sang the song, I think she wrote it. But God. And it's based on this verse. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love with which he loved us, has provided for us a salvation that we might be with Christ, that we might be in Christ, and that it comes to us through Christ. It's all about Christ, but it is God who did uh, establish this salvation. Here we have an act of saving who saved us and called us. 
you might think that's an unusual order. You may not have even thought about the order. But if you look at that, in our text, he tells us that it was God who has saved us and called us. I'll get back there in a minute. When we think of these things, a lot of times we even say, well, the calling comes first, doesn't it? He calls us to salvation and we are saved. Well, this only reveals to us that God's ways are as high above our ways of thinking as the heaven is above the earth. This is telling us that he hath saved us in the mind of God before there was time. Again, in the book of Ephesians, we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. You see, he has already, in God's mind, we are saved. Now, we're not teaching uh, eternal justification or anything like that, but we're telling you that God had a plan before he created man. That's why when Adam sinned, it didn't take, by, take God by surprise. He already had a lamb that was slain when? Before the foundation of the world. It was already taken care of. He saved us and called us. Now, both of these are in the aorist tense. Doesn't mean a lot to most people. That's just a tense of the verb in the Greek language, simply stating that this is a completed action. At a point in time, or in this case, a point before time, in God's mind, he determined that he was going to save his people. And then in time, he was going to call that people to himself. So the order is correct if we approach this from God's perspective. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. So certain is the work of God the Father that it is considered accomplished even before he reaches the end of the work. Does that make sense to you? Let us read a passage over in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 4. Verse 17. Here he is speaking of justification of sinners apart from the law. And he says in verse 17, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who gives life or quickens the dead, and calls those things which are not as though they were. If God is determined to do something, it's going to be done. Uh, Elder Foster has told us several times in the Sunday school class, even God doesn't know an uncertainty. So the things he knows, if he knows it, it is certain. And he's an all-knowing God. So what he knows is what he has declared to be 
and he will perform his word. So he calls those things that are not as if they are. And so he tells us in the same book, in the book of Romans, those whom he foreknew, them he also called, and whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. Well, brethren and sisters, we haven't got there yet. We're not glorified. But in the mind of God, we are. When he looks at us, he doesn't look at us and see all of our imperfections and the darkness of our heart. He looks upon us as we are in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he loves us. And we stand before him as one without spot and without blemish. That's not just something that's going to happen in a future time in, 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 in heaven. That's how God views us now. Does that mean he does not grieve when we sin against him? No, he certainly does. And he will chasten every son, every daughter whom he loves. Yeah, he'll do that. He doesn't have a bunch of spoiled brats. He chastens his people. He teaches us what it is to love him, to be obedient unto him, and to delight in serving him. Because if you'll notice this, it says he saved us. He has preserved us safe, but he also has called us. And this is not just any calling, but he has called us with a holy calling. Now, when an adjective is given to the noun like this, when he's talking about the participle, uh, a holy calling, it includes in that, at least in the original language, it includes in that phrase the point or the goal to which we are called. If this is a holy calling, what is it that we are called to? Well, we are called to holiness. We are to be holy even as he is holy. As we said, the gospel is designed for sanctification. He calls us with an effectual call. Now, there are many today that will hear just my voice. And when they leave, I don't know, whatever uh, opinion they may form is their opinion. But all they heard was my voice. I pray that when you leave this place, it's not me that you've heard, but rather that you have heard from God, that he speaks to your heart, because that would make the word effectual. You see, there's a difference in what they call a general call and an effectual call. I can invite you to believe in Christ. That's a general call. But unless the Spirit takes that word and makes it real to you and gives you the life and empowers you to respond to that, that makes it effectual. That makes the difference. So he calls us in sanctification. He calls us to be holy. You turn back a couple of pages to 1 Thessalonians. We have uh, 
have a drill we used to use with the children. It's called the uh, sword drill, where you'd give you know, a passage, you'd give the address of a passage, and see who could find it first. Well, I should have done that today. I should have had a sword drill. We've used the scriptures a lot, and I hope you don't mind turning to it. Uh, but it's better sometimes to see with your own eyes. If I see something and read it, it sticks with me better than just having heard it. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I mean uh, chapter 1, excuse me, verse 5. He says, Our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. You see, there's the difference. We pray that the word doesn't come to you just in word only. I won't do you a lot of good. You're not going to remember that. But if it comes to you in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get over a working of God in your life. He will come and bring to you the the peace that you were singing about. All the fruits of the Spirit that come with God. So what are the means? What's the method of salvation according to our text here? God's the author of it. He has saved us. He has called us. Well, the method is stated both in a negative and in a positive. Oftentimes, the contrast helps us to understand what's being said. He says, God hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. So negatively, it's not of anything we do. Our works, even those things that are considered, quote, righteous acts, good works, are not enough. That's not the moving cause. That's not the procurement of our salvation. But it is the love of God. And that's what we were talking about in the book of John, chapter 3 and verse 16. Our works cannot be the moving cause, but rather it is the work of Christ. Salvation is based on works, it's just not ours. It's the work that Christ has done for us. Look in Romans chapter 3. Hopefully you brought a Bible with you. If you didn't, maybe there's one in the pew there in front of you, you can use that. But in Romans chapter 3, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, Unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, 
We're being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him who believes in Christ. God does not arbitrarily forgive sin. He doesn't just say, well, you know, this person meant, well, they didn't mean to do that and I'll just forgive them. No, that's not the reason they have forgiveness of sin. We have the forgiveness of sin because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is for Christ's sake that God forgives us because Christ has endured the punishment for our sin on our behalf. That sin didn't go unpunished. The punishment just fell upon another. We find that it was not of our works. They cannot help in the application of salvation. Any works that we have before we are called to salvation are not good works. Even the farmer plowing the field, if it's not by faith, it's sin. Anything that's not of faith is of sin. And if we don't have faith, if we're outside of Christ, if we haven't been called. So before our calling, our works are not good. And after our calling, well, the good works are but the fruits of the Spirit. They're not ours. And so that could have no effect to cause God to love us. So we look at the positive why is it that he has saved us? Why is it that he has provided so full and rich salvation for his people? Because he wanted to. It's according to his own purpose and grace. It is a gift from eternity. Uh, the King James writes it this way, before the world began. The literal, a literal translation of that is from time eternal. You know what that means? I don't. I can't fathom that. What is time? I mean, how far back can you go? When was the beginning? In the beginning, God. When was that? I don't know. That's how long God has determined to save his people. We are chosen in Christ, as we read over in Ephesians, before the foundation of the world, before there was time, before there was a world, before there was a man to sin, there was already a savior. We see that this is a salvation that is given to us. It's according to the purpose and the grace of God given to us in Christ Jesus. Again, we have an aorist tense. This is not something we're waiting on. This is something that's happened. God has given us this grace. God has given us salvation. It is a gift of God. We have 
I think I can speak for you. I know I'm speaking for myself. We have a hard time in grasping what it means to be forgiven of our sin. We still hang on to that guilt because we have sinned against God. It's taken care of, brothers and sisters. We still have the feelings um, of unworthiness and of shame and ask the question perhaps too often, why would God give his son for me? All of that is in his doing, and he has done it. For whatever reason, and it's some, for some it's, it's not enough to say because it pleased him to do so, but that's the reason. Because it pleased him to do so, he set his love on you if you're his child before he ever made the world. He knew you would be here because he determined that you would be here. And just like the Apostle Paul who said, from my mother's womb, he has called me. Well, while you were yet in your mother's womb, God knew you, as he told Jeremiah, I knew all your parts. He's the one who put us together. And he put us together the way we are for a purpose. And he loves us as we are. An unconditional love. And he has forgiven us every sin for Christ's sake. All of the blessings of the Father are in Christ Jesus. All the promises of God are both yea and amen in Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. Sounds to me as if there's only one place to be. And that's to be in Christ. And that should be the desire of our heart. Is to be found in Christ. So what is it? How is this salvation manifest? Well, it was made apparent. It was shown openly at the coming of Christ. Verse 10. This salvation, this gospel truth is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. All that God had determined to do was not realized until Christ came. He had determined to save his people. He had determined that they would be uh, just like his son, Jesus Christ, that they would bear his image. He had determined that he would have a bride for his son. Remember the parable of the uh, rich man who was going to have a feast for his son's marriage? And he sent his servants out and said, go out and tell them that all things are now ready and come to the feast. But all those who had received an invitation didn't come. So we have other things to do. Some said they got married. Some had bought new land, just the purpose, that purpose. So he sent them out a second time. And said, go out and compel them to come in. The servants went out and still the hall was not filled. And so he sent them a a third time. And he said, go out and compel them to come in. Go out into the hedges, the byways, wherever you can find someone and tell them to come because I will have a feast 
for my son and his bride. Guess what? We're the bride. Christ is the groom. The father is the one who has prepared the feast. And there's going to be a company to sit down at the wedding feast of his son, Jesus Christ. And by his grace, we'll be there. (laughs) We're going to be there. Because he's given us a wedding garment, the righteousness of Christ. You see, it was manifest in Christ at his coming. He said of himself that he was the light of the world. And as he came and gave light, because that's basically what that word appearing means, is the shining upon. He gave light upon all that God had purposed to do. He gave us light as to who we were before God. We are sinful creatures before God. He gave us light as to the way of God. He said, I am the way, truth, and the life. He gives us light that we might know that God loves his people, that he has provided a redemption for them, that he gives eternal hope. And as we find, he invites those whom he loves to come unto him, and he will give them rest. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will rest your soul. That's what he's talking about. It is manifest in the appearance of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and has not only given us the victory over death, you can read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're not take time to turn there. We're running out of time. But we have the victory over death. Death has lost its sting. It has no sting for a child of God because now death does but usher us into the presence of the one whom we love in the presence of the one whom we desire to be. And he has brought life, eternal life, and immortality. When he comes the second time, guess what? This mortal is going to put on immortality. This corrupt will be incorrupt. And we will receive a body like unto his. We shall be like him who loved us and gave himself for us. You see, the gospel plays an important part in the scripture because it's about Christ. And as pastors told us so often from Genesis to Revelation, this is a hymn book. It speaks to us of Christ. And he is the one we need to see in all things. He has manifest this blessed and glorious salvation that was purposed by God. Let's let's sing our song. Under the blood. Can't think of a better place to be, can you?
bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and give, be gracious unto you. The Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. You're dismissed.